I always say that there's no rule book to life. However, I hope the lessons and stories from each episode can at least provide those listening with some comfort and understanding of the less attractive parts of life, how these look, how we can move through and learn from them, and that it's these moments that make us into the person that we are. Today, I'm joined by world-leading elite personal trainer, strength conditioning coach, and qualified nutritionist, Ruben Tavares. His clients include former world heavyweight champion boxer, David Hay, award-winning platinum-selling artist, Tiny Temper, and Hollywood actors such as Javier Bardem, Jeremy Piven, Naomi Watts, and many more. Ruben, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. So what does this year look like for you? This year, I think this year for me is I'm venturing into things that I have never really done before, which is the online world. I've written a a strength and conditioning for boxing course for other trainers, for people who are interested in uh, getting into the best shape they could ever possibly get into or like white collar boxing people I get a, have a lot of friends who are all of a sudden doing white collar boxing and they're like oh listen I want to get into the best shape ever what can I do so that's that program was inspired by that uh, and I'm uh, writing it with uh, a colleague of mine called Peter Marcusiano who has incredible knowledge and experience in, in that field so we're writing it together and doing an online business called NutriCode which is on tap nutrition for anyone who needs it so basically people subscribe and then uh, whatever questions they've got they're out in a restaurant they don't know what they should be eating how to stick to their program Uh, whatever it is they can just message a nutritionist really quickly and ask questions and they'll get a response straight away as as well as uh, everything that that entails so training you know uh how how to cook etc etc and that's yeah there's a lot of misinformation i feel out there at the moment there is there is there always has been like a friend of mine pete says when he first went into a i think it was a wh smith many many decades ago (laughs) he said he went in there to find a book on training and there were like maybe one or two books and then one or two books on nutrition and similarly when he went into waterstones there weren't that many today you go and there's a whole floor on this person's trained that that famous person so they've written a book and this is how we've done it and people go with that you know then there was the atkins diet and there was uh i don't know there's been so many so many different things that people have written about and when i read those things because again when i get asked well what book on nutrition should i read I don't really have an answer for for what book is the best book. Uh, What I have done is throughout the last 25, 30 years, I've tried to read almost every single book there is on nutrition. I've spent a lot of money. And the more I read and the more I research, the more it paints like a picture of a jigsaw puzzle in my head and things start to come together. And then I'm like, oh, that wasn't right. This isn't. This is. That isn't. And, you know, I studied science and nutrition and dietetics, but I feel like I don't follow any of that stuff. All the stuff that I've learned it has been through my own experiences and through research and that kind of thing. I mean, going back to the Atkins diet, 
it promoted that people just eat protein, mm-hmm. cheese, meat, whatever it was, just protein. Um, and I think what he maybe didn't understand was that protein is acidic. So if you have too much protein, it turns the balance in your body from alkaline to acidic. And then your body's trying to fight that acidity and it turns, it uses all the minerals in the body to turn that acid into an alkaline. And because there aren't enough minerals floating around in our bodies and the way that food is grown nowadays is is not um, as it was a hundred years ago. So food is nutritionally uh, weaker than it was a hundred years ago. The body then starts taking the minerals from the bones to turn that acid into alkaline. So a lot of people who are on the Atkins diet for an extended period of time ended up developing osteoporosis. Um, and it's that misinformation that I have tried to eliminate with everyone that I work with so that they get the best information in order for them to be successful. Amazing. So you definitely done all of your research and I know that there's, <laughs> a, lot, tried, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of hard work that, that goes into that. And that was something that I wanted to bring up. And I think is probably, you know, I was going to kind of ask you, what's a lesson that you learnt that you think is fundamental for people to learn, but nobody wants to learn? There are no shortcuts. That's fundamentally what it is. I've worked with uh, people that have helped become world champions and I've helped and I've worked with people who haven't become world champions. And the people who haven't become world champions think that there's a shortcut, think that um, that if they're working with someone like me, that I can provide like a magic ingredient that'll help them achieve their goals. When, yes, and not in an arrogant way, it's just proven through, through uh, the results that I've had. I do add something different to anyone that I work with. And I pride myself in making sure that whoever I work with, I'm making fitter, faster, stronger, and healthier than their opposition, uh, whether that's on the track or in the boxing ring or in the football world, whatever it is, uh, or in the business world. But a lot of people are just not willing to sacrifice what they need to in order to get to the top. I see it every day, you know. It's quite a unique place that I look at things from because I'm seeing these people every day. I mean, people only see them on TV being successful, but then the ones that aren't successful, I know that they take shortcuts. I know that they're not willing to go to bed on time. They're not willing to go to bed at 9, 9.30, uh, wake up early, have the amount of water that they need to throughout the day, have the right salt, uh, have the right treatment. It's in order to be great, and that's why I think people admire sports people, especially people who, like Muhammad Ali, who uh, got to you know become one of the greatest boxers of all time, and these type of people is because they know the type of sacrifice that that person has had to make, and most people can't do that. Uh, I think we were just talking just before we came, we, we started the podcast, and I was saying that I'm one of those people that unless I'm doing something to achieve something, I feel nervous. I feel like I'm not doing enough, and I've always had that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've trained so many world champions, so many at many different sports, so many actors and performers from Hollywood, you know, so many people from the from uh, the sporting world, so football, etc. Because I'm just willing to go the ex the extra mile. I'm willing to work harder than everyone else. So another trainer might look at me and go, "Oh my God, how has he done that? He's been lucky." There's no luck involved. 
I've just been willing to work harder and stay more disciplined than other people. That's all it is. <clears throat> Where do you think that discipline stems from? I know that you attended the Royal Ballet School mm -hmm. when you were very young. Yeah. Do you think that discipline is something that is learned or inherited or uh, probably learned, right? But do you think yeah. that having that discipline in such a kind of disciplined sport from such a young age made a difference? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think that sport plays a huge part in a human being's success. It doesn't matter if you end up being really successful in sport or not. It's just that journey. It's just that journey of having to be somewhere at a particular time, at a particular place to do what you need to do. And if you do that long enough, you start to find discipline every walk of life. So I think that because I'm, I was born in Colombia and I was born at a time when Pablo Escobar was rampant <laughs> and I was a little boy, but uh, you, you could hear the, the stories, etc. And I went through so many different hardships by the age of, age of seven. I shouldn't really be sat here with you. Mm -hmm. um, and when I came to England, my mum said, this is a completely different place. Um, the world is your oyster. Go out and get it. And that always stayed with me. So, yeah, I came here when I was almost seven. When by the age of eight, I was at the Royal Ballet School. And I was there until I was 15, 14, 15. I was playing the double bass, the piano. Uh, I think I got to grade six piano by the age of 12, something like that. So everything was classical. And then I went from that to sport, so 400 hurdles. And by the age of 16, I was English champion, uh, British champion, second ranked in Europe. And yeah, it was just a nonstop thirst to want to 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 grab every opportunity. I, it's it's harder nowadays because kids have a lot more distractions with phones and social media i mean i have a, a boxer that we we help and he was telling me that he would spend six to eight hours a day just scrolling through instagram looking at other people's lives until we kind of helped him snap out of it um and now he does digital detoxes he takes himself off social media and things like that but he's had to learn it and you have to give people the tools in order to to be able to be disciplined. So, yeah, that I think for me, discipline is something that you learn. Mm -hmm. um, I have a 17 year old son who's uh, just been offered a professional contract with the Premier League club, and he, at the beginning, he wasn't disciplined. When he was seven, eight years old, nine years old, he wasn't disciplined. And just a quick story: I would always say, "Did you bring your water?" So from the age of six, seven, eight, nine, taking him to football, mm -hmm. did you bring your water? No, dad, I forgot it. So we'd stop off at a petrol station or a sh at a shop and buy him a bottle of water and take him to football. And then when he was around nine, I thought, do you know what? He's never going to learn a lesson. And it was July, it was really hot. And I said, did you bring your bottle of water? Oh, no, sorry, I forgot it. Okay, no problem. Can we stop off and get a bottle of water? No. <laughs> and he went to a tournament. He was there all day with no water. And he came home with cracked lips and he was in, in, in a lot of discomfort. He never forgot his water again. And he's gone from that to uh, becoming a professional footballer. That's the discipline that you have to instill in people because unless you do that, you're not going to be successful. 
because you know, there's a lot of competition for a lot of things. And I, I always feel like unless you're willing to go the extra uh, yard compared to everyone else, you're not going to be as successful. And do you think, I love that story, first of all. <laughs> And I th- you know, I'm going to get it's... complaints about child cruelty. No, but you know, it's. It, I mean, look, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's just an example of teaching someone, you know, what it means to be disciplined and to show up and to kind yeah. of think and remember. And those things are learned, like you say. Like I myself have become. I was always quite disciplined, and then I kind of fell off, and now I feel like I'm incredibly disciplined again. But it's every day you show up every single day. It doesn't yeah. necessarily get easier. It just becomes more ingrained into your life. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to someone who is maybe slightly older, maybe someone in their 30s or 40s who Mm -hmm. lacks discipline? Do you think that it's something that can be learned later in life? Absolutely. And it depends. So discipline goes hand in hand with goals. So don't normally find someone, unless they're exceptional, that is disciplined with no goals. So what I mean by that is, if someone got, has a goal to run a marathon, then they're going to have the discipline to train, to not eat the things that they know they shouldn't be eating, etc., etc. So if you have a goal or goals, discipline becomes a lot easier. So for example, with myself, I was a professional athlete for 17 years. And then when I retired through injury, I lost some of that discipline because the drive to train because you have a competition and you're going to be facing people who are going to want to beat you and all the rest of it. That drive disappeared. And then it turned into something like, okay, I'll train later. Okay, I'm working all day. I'm training this person, that person, this. I'm doing that, this, the other. And then by the end of the day, you haven't trained. And that was happening on and off for a while. And then just earlier this year, someone actually that knows me very well turned around and said, So they saw some old pictures of me where I looked ripped. And they said, oh, you'll never look like that again. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting that this, you know, sometimes you have to hear the truth. Mm. Um, For for that person, that was their truth. So they were like, you'll never look like that again. I know different. So what I did was I weighed 106 kilos. I've always kind of been in shape, but I didn't look ripped. And so... That was the 1st of January I started. And there are reasons why as well why I, I also do all this stuff that I'm doing, which is I've got hay fever. I've got really bad allergy to uh, to pollen. So when I don't have wheat, dairy and sugar and I live a very strict lifestyle, the allergies don't come. So I, there's no hay fever. I can spell roses, pollen. I have the best summers ever. When I'm not as disciplined, then the allergies come. So that's one of the reasons. But the other reason was this person just, I felt not inspired by them, but I felt inspired by myself. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to start doing all the things that I know that I tell my clients to do. And so I started fasting and I've done fasts before. So like the longest, I went to a place called the Maya Clinic in Austria and the longest I didn't eat for was three weeks. So three weeks, just water. They give you warm water with Epsom salts in the morning. Then you have green water. So it's boiled vegetables and they just give you the water and then water all day and then a detox tea in the evening. And I did that for three weeks. Um, Coincidentally, when I was there, Princess Anne was also there. Some of the uh, members of the royal family go and do this kind of stuff and they have that discipline to be able to do that. Right. And so for me, that was a... 
revelation because when I came back to track, people thought I was on something. They were like, oh my God, how are you running this well for that long? And it's just because my body had no toxicity to deal with. And so going back to the to the pictures, because I have a goal to look like that again uh, for myself, I actually did some sprints yesterday and I felt the best I've felt since 2012. I felt light uh, since the 1st of January to now. What are we in March? Um, 24? No, 27th. 27th. 27th of March. So it's almost three three months, 12 weeks. I've lost 10 kilos. Wow. And so I do fasting for two days and I'm still training, working and all the rest of it. I mean, people might think that's hardcore, but it's easy for me because I've been used to it. I do it all the time. And now people are starting to go, oh my God, you look ripped or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's not taking that long, but it's because I have a goal. So uh, discipline and goals are super important. They go together. Absolutely. I think that's very true. I think it's kind of long-winded, but... No, but it's true. And I think, you know, it's true. If you don't have an end goal or at least a kind of stepping stone of goals, you've got that discipline, but to what end? And then it's quite easy to fall off because there's nothing maybe to achieve. And it doesn't have to be, you know, it's amazing that you've done that, but it doesn't, I guess for anybody listening, it doesn't have to be as extreme. It can be, you know, small goals. It could be, someone asked me, uh, how can I start fasting? And I said, just skip breakfast and have lunch and dinner. And then when you're ready, you'll find you'll skip breakfast and lunch and just have dinner. And it can be just as simple as that. Um, and your body will respond. I feel like, um, I don't know who necessarily came up with the whole, you need breakfast, lunch and dinner. Because if they could understand that you don't really need to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner. Don't get me wrong. Let me start from the beginning. If you're a young child, you definitely need to have regular food. Um, If you're a young person involved in sport, you definitely need to have regular food and snacks and you need to have your protein shakes or whatever it is that you need to eat. As you get older, you don't need to eat as much. And I have like, I don't know, it's close to seven o'clock and I haven't eaten all day um, and I have incredible energy and I can keep going and all the rest of it. Now I'm at the stage where I, when I eat, I feel tired. Mm-hmm. So, but that's my own journey. And I do help people with that through throughout that journey. But um, it's very individual and you can start very small. You can even start by reducing your meals. You know, but it's just about having a goal and then having that discipline to follow follow it through. Absolutely. So do you think when you look around, just observing, not necessarily your clients, I suppose, but let's talk about just observing the world mm-hmm. as it is. Do you think that in general people have lost that sense of hard work and discipline? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And it comes from, I was explaining this to my son a few years ago. I said, you watch football highlights. You don't watch how hard it is to set up a goal in football and how you have to drag the opposition team from one side to the other to create space on the opposite side of the pitch and uh, to make them tired and then to try and break the lines to get through and then score a goal. You just watch football highlights. So in your head, it's easy to score a goal, but it's not in reality. And I think that uh, encapsulates most of what you're saying, which is people have forgotten how hard it is 
what hard work looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are so many benefits to social media. I've worked in social media for my whole kind of working life and I've seen great things come of it. And I do think that it can be hugely beneficial, but I also do think it's like what you were saying about the highlights, you know, the highlights on the football. Mm -hmm. It's the same on social media. Yeah. And there are people who have done incredibly well off social media and who have a good message to share and will share it. And that's a fantastic platform to them to reach millions and millions of people. But that's also a highlights reel mm. because that's not showing the hard work that goes into it. That's not showing the hard work that kind of, you know, how people become what they become. And that's why as well, I think there's so much misinformation out there is that it's a platform for anyone to share information yeah, and for people to take as gospel yeah, that's that's the problem, and that's the problem. So sometimes my son will even show me stuff. He's like, "Oh, son, dad, what do you, what do you think of this?" And I'm like, "It's, it's rubbish." Yeah. You know, there's no substance or or science behind what that person is saying. It's just, uh, "Oh, I got in shape, for example, doing this," and then everyone who follows that person may want to follow or will follow what they're saying. It doesn't mean it's necessarily true, and what people need to understand about social media as well is what people post is a completely different story to what it actually is. So I know I was training a model and she'd take so many thousands of pictures throughout the day and then get them edited to then pick the best one. So that's the the best version of herself. Then other people might look at that and go, oh, why don't I look like this and stuff? She was training super hard mm-hmm. and she was trying the best to look her best all of the time. So that's not necessarily always, you know, how the real world works. Definitely. Thankfully, the older I get, the more I realise that. So, it, you know, mm-hmm. it becomes slightly easier. Yeah. Just going back to something you said earlier about when you stopped being an athlete because of an injury. Mm-hmm. As someone who had been working so hard for 17 years and yeah. been so disciplined and that had been your whole life, that must have been an incredibly difficult thing to swallow and to go through. Yes and no. Um, and I'll tell you why. It was hard to realise, okay, I retired in 2012 when I was training Amir Khan out in the Philippines and I was training him and then also training myself and I'd had historical Achilles problems because of a coach that made me work way too hard and didn't really know what he was doing and I didn't find out until much later on that you know that's not how you train people and but it was a good experience and I took that experience to train my athletes and touch wood none of my athletes ever get injured um, and I push them to the absolute limit but it's understanding you can push someone to the limit but then they need rest you don't then push them the next day and then the next day because they'll break and when I made the decision to retire because I woke up one day and my Achilles were swollen, I couldn't walk, they were so painful and this had been going on for seven years um, since 2005 and I just thought, do you know what, I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Again, I ran on Sunday and my Achilles felt like the Achilles of a 16 year old boy. They're in amazing shape but it's taken me time to understand what was going on how to fix it and how to make them healthy and so now my body feels incredible feel incredible every day and that wasn't the case when I retired I felt like an old man because I was pushing myself way too hard so when I made that decision to retire 
I felt happy in the knowledge that I had left no stone unturned throughout the 17 years to push myself to the limit, to eat wet porridge every morning. I would just have, you know, porridge oats with water in them because I didn't even want to cook them so that I didn't denature the, the vitamins, the B vitamins in the porridge. You know, th- going to those kind of lengths and I knew, okay, I've done everything, you know. So I, I'd never wake up and I, and I think to myself, oh, what if? No, because there were, I didn't, I left no what ifs. And that's why I feel happy with that decision. And that's why I've been able to move on and, and I'm happy with it. So, but at the time, the, the week, the month that you do it, you always think, oh, maybe should I go back? Have I done the right thing? You know, um, but now looking back, it was the best decision ever. And how did you know that it was the right decision at the time? Um, first of all, I'd been traveling a lot. So I'd been not only with Amir Khan, but with David Hay before then. And you travel a lot. I was away from home a lot. And I'd not been an absent father by any means, but I'd traveled a lot with work. So I hadn't been at home. I liked to, I'm a very hands-on type of person. So I'd not been at home as much as I'd wanted to. And I feel like at the time, I thought my wife would be very, very... um patient with uh with me in, in all of these things that I was doing and I just thought you know and then she was pregnant with Savannah and I just thought it's time to call it a day and go home and start my my new chapter and yeah that's basically it that, that's why I uh, that's how I kind of knew and I think there is an element isn't there of I always talk about that chapters in life and actually being quite excited about when one ends and another begins. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be a bad thing. And at the time, it can feel like the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But actually, usually it's an amazing new... I always say to my friends when something bad happens, I say it's one door closing and a thousand opening. Mm-hmm. There's endless opportunity if you choose to see it that way. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I think you're very right especially when it comes to feel like people stay in the wrong job for too long, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because it feels safe and it's something that they feel like they've got job security and even though they don't like it and they don't wake up every morning and go, oh my God, I can't wait to get to work or I'm excited about this. Same as in relationships, people stay in the wrong relationship for way too long and it's what they fail to realise is when you're in a toxic work environment or in a toxic relationship, it's habit. It's doing the same thing. It come, it's kind of like um, what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. The, um, yeah, it's the dedication to something. You, you get dedicated to a job or dedicated to a relationship and you think that that's who you are. But in essence, when you cut off and you break from it and then you move on, you feel like, oh, my God, this happens to a lot of people. What was I doing in that job or what was I doing in that relationship or what was I doing with that? And, yeah, I feel like that's that's the most important thing. You have to you have to realize that those things are just habit. They're just a habit. Mm -hmm. And if you can break the habit like smoking or eating junk food or whatever it is then you're going to ultimately look back at it and go, okay, 
Absolutely. You know, and and for a lot of the, uh, a lot of people, you said, "How did I know it was the right time?" You don't really know. That's the beauty of it. You don't really know. You just make a decision and you have to go with it. And you're like, "Okay, that's it." And then don't look back. Don't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I always say I'm like, never look back. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. made a decision that at the time felt right try and stick with that gut feeling Mm -hmm. and I do think your gut feeling is everything and what you said about habit I find very interesting the light bulb moment for me when I really decided to make changes that I continue to try and make every single day I'm by no means perfect far from it but I continue and strive every day to become better and better and better and one of the things that got me have you read Atomic Habits Um, yes I have read Atomic Habits actually yeah so that something in that and the message in that of that you know making a habit is essentially just showing up every day and kind of committing to it and committing you know making the commitment to yourself and that was a game changer for me because it's so simple mm-hmm. and actually it is incredibly simple but it's harder than the easier option which is doing nothing yeah and i think that when uh <laughs> when i was an athlete and i used to wake up and i used to be so sore mm-hmm. and tired and then you start your mind starts playing tricks on you oh my god you're coming down with something you're you're just exhausted what i would do is i'd say okay i'm probably not going to train today but i'm going to get changed i'm going to get in the car and i'm going to go down to the track and i'm going to just do a warm-up and then getting into that the same habit and then by the time i did my warm-up i felt great yeah. and like i wanted to train so i'd then join into the training yeah. session and then get on with it so it's not hiding from it it's absolutely like facing it and yeah. going okay I'm I'm moving forward with this and I think that's kind of what I've always done but now as I'm getting older I think I'm discovering my own superpower which is um, I'm an extremely hard working person but I'm also I'm a very loving person and uh, I'm a very spiritual person too so I'm understanding myself and understanding that I can't be around people who are not like me uh, because then they will take advantage of it or they will monopolize my time in the wrong way. And, you know, so once I've understood these things as I've gotten older, I've been able to make quicker decisions and it feels great because you're, as you get older, you realize I don't have that much time left. <laughs> well, there's that, there's that, there's that. And and I think a point that you just made that I find really interesting and something I actually wanted to ask you as somebody who knows so much about nutrition and mm. exercise and energy and, and, and fatigue and everything, because I've spoken about this on a, on a previous episode. Do you think, and I want, I want to know your honest opinion. You can yeah. say absolutely not. You're wrong. Yeah. I, I, I'm by no means an athlete. I work out most days. You know, I go to, I have a nine to five. I go to that. I work out, I go to work. I, you know, try to get my steps in, try to like be healthy. And yet sometimes I find social interactions more exhausting than that. Do you think that in being around people that are either toxic or giving off toxic energy or, you know, perhaps don't agree with you or maybe are the wrong people for you to be surrounding yourself with, do you think that that can, can genuinely drain you? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'll, uh, I'll quote something Richard Williams, uh, Venus and Serena Williams' father said, oh, I was listening to a radio interview where he said that when the girls were born, he spoke to the family and said, these girls are going to be the best tennis players in history. Who agrees with me? 
and some members of the family were like laughing and going yeah whatever and some were saying yeah we agree with you and he only allowed the girls to be around that energy because people don't understand how a lot of people don't understand how important energy is so same with my son the amount of times we've had to hear throughout his journey which is you're not good enough you're not going to make it as a footballer you can't do this you can't do that blah 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 and then we would always get in the car and we would reset and I would say to him that person is correct in that you right now you can't do those things but do you think you can do them do you know you can do them can you feel that you can do them and he would always say yes dad so keep working and now that he has a professional contract those same people the same doubters don't have anything to say mm-hmm. you know so I don't have that many friends but the friends that I do have are incredible you know the friends that I do have I know if for example I lost all my money and I lost all my my home and, and my family and whatever and I, I, I called the friends that I do have and I said I'm homeless they'd be the first to say come and stay with me and let me get you back on your feet and that kind of thing and they also understand that I'm extremely hardworking so socializing doesn't come that much mm-hmm. into my life yeah but when it does we socialize and we we talk like we talk every day and we do talk a lot on the phone with these people and we share ideas but they're very much like me now I don't have any friends in my life that are not on the same energetic page and Absolutely. striving for things and that you know it's that's important to understand because like I was explaining to one of my other young boxers he has the type of friends that get him into trouble with the police with whoever they're just constantly getting him into trouble and I'm saying to him those aren't your friends you it's a habit that you know them and you're always around them but they're not your friends because real friends don't do that they they would understand that you have a talent and they would push you so leave this go and do go and do your boxing and hopefully at some point he'll understand that but yeah for me everything is about energy it's about the people you surround yourself with and it's about moving forward constantly just moving forward that's why if now if someone says something nasty to me for example I don't and I've only recently learned to become like this and that's the discipline that you have to learn to teach yourself to become like this if someone says something horrible to you or you write them a message and they don't respond or you say something nice and they don't say something nice back I it doesn't offend no, no longer offends me no longer scratches away at my on my brain and go oh why did that person do that no okay I did what I felt like I wanted to do it's not that person's job to reciprocate in any way shape or form and then eventually if they're not uh giving you that energy back in return then that's not the right person that you should be around anyway and so that's kind of what where i'm at with my life at the moment and i'm super happy with it and like i said i'm a spiritual being so i i I like um positive experiences um and again just like you said before i'm not perfect but i'm trying to find my way in this world you know and and along the way try and help as many people as i can amazing I think that's incredible and so many people will resonate with that and it really forces you to think even when you're talking just then I kind of think 
who is it me but I'm on that journey of figuring out who it is that I have time for in my life because mm. actually I have goals and I have things I want to achieve and even in the past year there's people I've realized actually I can't have them in my life in the same capacity anymore because of and not not because they're bad people but they're it's not different. good for me yeah they're not good for me and they're different people and yeah. that's just you know that's the way it is right now and I had a friend on the phone the other day and she was crying she said I'm so sorry I'm crying I was like why are you apologizing for crying I'm not a fair weather friend mm-hmm Friendships and relationships are about the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's who's going to be there for me mm-hmm. when it hits the fan. <laughs> yeah. And who loves you for you? Yeah. Not for all of the things. Who loves you for you as a person? And you've got to love yourself as a person as well for that. Absolutely. And I feel like I've been together with my with my wife for 20 years. And, you know, it's a relationship. So it's, there's ups and downs. Um, there's highs and lows. Yeah. But... I'd like to think that above everything else, she's my friend and she's my friend for life. So that is more important. I've gotten older. I've started to to acknowledge that more. And I've taught her loads of things. She's taught me loads of things. And we've added to our lives and created two amazing children. And she's always the first person that I ask for their opinion because... She's very intelligent and that's the opinion that matters the most. And, you know, it's a relationship that's been nourished over two decades. Also, I've learned that throughout that period, you take certain parts of the relationship for granted because you're like, oh, I'm busy and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But then as I've gotten older, I've started to realize that you also need to nourish that and give it energy. And you, as the same way that you give your children energy and work and yourself, uh, and there's time and energy for everything. But that's why you can't spend time and energy on things that don't matter. Yeah, absolutely. And people, I feel like people, and myself included, sometimes, you know, take life, relationships, everything so for granted. Mm, yeah. And don't appreciate the you know, everyday. I just, and some days, don't get me wrong, I'm like, oh, like everything's going wrong. I feel crap. I don't feel it. You know, everything's good. But as I get older, I try more and more to remind myself that every day is incredibly precious and actually we need to try and make the most of that be that in just appreciating our partners or our friendships or ourselves yeah and it's also okay that you're having a bad day you yeah know? <laughs> it's, it's life it happens yeah. and it's taking a little moment to go okay i'm having a bad day this is going wrong that's going wrong but not stressing about it and then just going tomorrow when i wake up this may or may not be here so I'm not going to stress about it. I'm just going to try my best to get, you know, to do what I can. And going back to, because uh, I have to talk about these, going back to helping as many people as, as I can. I remember uh, years ago, I was training Tiny Temper and he asked me to make him a supplement that would make him feel good when he was in the studio mm-hmm. because he was having a Red Bull and that kind of stuff. Uh, and he needed to be up all night. So I formulated supplement which had different ingredients which would oxygenate his brain increase his creativity and that's where performance came from and then longevity is something that I was to mix for David Hay so I used to mix it in my kitchen put it in these bags seal them and then put like Monday 8 a.m Tuesday 9 a.m etc etc and then I'd give him his packs and they both loved it but they both performed incredibly well with it and so years later when the organic pharmacy asked 
to do a collaboration with me. Those were the two supplements that I thought, right, I need to let people try this. And one of the reasons why I'm super proud of this is because I know it does good for your body. Or well, not all supplements are created equal, by the way. So just to give you a, a quick 30 second recap, supplements that you buy that are man-made, those things hardly ever do anything for you. And everything in this is natural. So even vitamin C, I was explaining to someone the other day because they said, oh, uh, your supplement has natural vitamin C. What does that mean compared to ascorbic acid, which they put in, uh, I'm not going to mention the, the, the supplement. I've seen it on the labels of yeah, yeah. many, many yeah. brands. Yeah. So ascorbic acid is made with volatile acids and it's the shell. I liken it to, if you said to me, Ruben, can I have an egg? I would give you a shell without the egg. So you'd crack the egg open and there'd be nothing inside. The shell is ascorbic acid. That's what you're getting when you take synthetic supplements. Natural vitamin C is an eight molecule compound. So it has rutin, which thins your blood, uh, vitamins J, K, and P, and vitamin K they give you in hospital when you're when a baby's born, so it's for, used for blood clotting so that you don't bleed out if you cut yourself. Ascorbinogen tyrosinase. It has so many different things that as a whole, is incredible for you but as ascorbic acid it's not so that's why i'm always you would need to pump trillions into marketing to get people to understand that a synthetic supplement is not the same as a natural supplement it, i mean the marketing for synthetic supplements has gone through the roof mm -hmm. and you just can't compete you can only do these kind of things where I do podcasts and, yeah. you know, shout about it from my Instagram or whatever it is, that's when people may go, oh, okay, cool, I'll give this a try. And I gave, uh, so a gentleman tried these and he sent me back such a beautiful review where he said he'd been in pain throughout most of his life. When he breathes in, he has a condition, a pulmonary condition, a lung condition, which means that every time he breathes in, he's in pain. And after two weeks after trying these supplements, he said, he was out for a walk and he realized he was no longer in pain and that was the only thing that he'd changed and when people write those kind of things back to me it makes me feel good because i've done something to help people yeah. you know and so yeah that's kind of what i focus my energy on doing all of these things but primarily they're always about helping people you know helping people achieve their goals and becoming champions or achieving their weight goals or health goals whatever it is that to me is always you know it's, it's good karma Amazing. Well, I need to try these supplements, definitely, <laughs> for sure. But I think that's amazing. And I think everything that you've said has such a powerful message from, you know, just what it takes to be the best, to discipline, working hard. And even just, I could talk to you for hours and hours about nutrition because it's something that I find incredibly interesting. And if people do want to learn more and kind of talk to you, where can they find you? Oh, uh, my website, www.rubentabaras.com or my Instagram, Wellness. Yeah, those are primarily my two platforms. But the last thing, because I just wanted to, because it's just yeah, popped into my mind, is discipline, to have a goal, discipline, and also perseverance. You have to persevere. I remember years ago, I was uh, training with Linford Christie, and a rugby player turned up, and he said to Linford, I want to be a sprinter. So Linford said to him, okay, um, are you a successful rugby player? He said, yeah, I'm, you know, okay. He'd uh, played for England a couple of times. You know, he just, it was just 
he wasn't really well known, but you know, he was he was okay. And he said that because he was fast, he thought he could turn into an athlete, into a sprinter. So Linford said to him, mm, I'm not sure, but you know, go and put your blocks next to Ruben and see how you got on with the session. This the session it was a Tuesday and it was a speed, always speed on a Tuesday. And he I was very quick. And my first thirty meters was always very quick. And so he uh he struggled. I didn't see him throughout the whole session. Every time Linford said go, all the athletes were gone and he was struggling near the back. He didn't finish the session. He walked off before the end of the session and he was he, no one saw him again down at the track. And that kind of story happens again and again and again and again, where people don't have the perseverance. That same thing happened to me. I was getting beaten on the track for years. And then, just like that from the age of 16 until I was about 25, 26, so almost 10 years later, I then started beating everybody. But it had taken me 10 years, you know, and that's the most important thing. That's what I always say to anyone when they say, oh, you can't be a footballer or you can't be a boxer or persevere. Try and find the best training. Try and equip yourself with the best knowledge. Ask questions. Just keep asking questions to different people. How did you get there? Go and ask someone that has done it and say, how did you get there? What did you do? And just stick at it, you know, but if you quit, then you'll never know. Like that person, he will never know whether he could have done it or not. Yeah. Because he quit after one session. Amazing. Well, I think everyone's definitely learned a lesson whether they wanted to or not. But mm -hmm. I think there's some incredible lessons that we've just spoken about. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. You're welcome.